Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Today is Sunday, October 6th, 2019. On this day in 1998, Convicted murderer Michael Stone stood trial for the slayings of Dr. Lynn Russell, her daughter Megan Russell, and for the attempted murder of Lynn's other daughter, Josie Russell. To this day, Stone asserts that he is innocent of this heinous crime. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Every day, we flip back the calendar to this date years ago and recount one event from true crime history. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Due to the graphic nature of today's crimes, listener discretion is advised. We advise extreme caution for children under 13. Today, we're discussing the trial and eventual conviction of Michael Stone, who resides in prison to this day for the murder of Lynn and Megan Russell in 1996. Working off witness statements, officers arrested Stone nearly a year later. However, he has never confessed to the killings and maintained throughout the trial that the evidence against him was faulty. Before we discuss the broader context of Michael Stone's criminal case, let's go back to October 6, 1998, at Maidstone Crown Court in Great Britain. The people in the courthouse couldn't help but look at the man as he was led down the aisle in chains. They'd never seen evil like him before. The yellow jumpsuit-clad man had a blank expression. He was average-looking. The tufts of thinning hair and sallow cheekbones were all the indication anyone needed to see that this was a man who had lived a difficult life. The British tabloids had been a verifiable circus for the last year, emphasizing his status as a felon, as a vagrant, as a drug addict, and as a murderer. As the judge took the bench, Anne Rafferty, Queen's counsel and prosecutor for the case, wasted no time. She painted Stone as exactly what the newspapers had been claiming he was, a monster, a killer, a psychopath who tortures women and girls. First, Rafferty shared the results of a psychiatric evaluation that Stone had undergone. On the day when Lynn and Megan Russell had been killed, Stone had been, quote, in the mood for killing. 
Rafferty then leaned into Stone's record to support her position. Stone hadn't done himself any favors in terms of projecting an aura of innocence. He'd been jailed three times prior to the Russell murders for everything from robbery to assault. Stone's previous record served as a big crux of the prosecution's argument. Although he had not committed murder before allegedly slaying Lynn and Megan Russell, the fact that he had been convicted of a number of violent crimes led the prosecution to argue that Stone had merely advanced to the next logical step of his criminal career. And luckily for the prosecution, they had witnesses who could testify to that effect. Rafferty called upon the sworn statement of Damien Daly, an inmate who had been in the prison cell adjacent to Stone's while Stone was awaiting trial. Daly claimed that Stone had explicitly told him that he had committed the murders. Stone hadn't stated the victim's names, but he had described his crime with such detail that Daly, and later the police, could only assume that he was talking about the double murder of Lynn and Megan Russell. Two more witnesses, Mark Jennings and Barry Thompson, also spent time with Stone in prison. They both corroborated Daly's account. The rest of the trial went on without much fanfare, and on October 23, 1998, Michael Stone was sentenced to three consecutive life sentences for the murders. Coming up, we'll discuss the context of Stone's trial and the horrific crime he was accused of. The Hargan women seemed to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I'm just praying to God, this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings, wherever you get your podcasts. Now back to the story. On July 9, 1996, 45-year-old Lynn Russell was out with her daughters, Josie and Megan, and their dog, Lucy. They were attacked on a quiet country lane. The assailant tied them up and beat them with a hammer before fleeing the scene. When they were found later that evening, Lynn, Megan, and the dog were all pronounced dead. Josie was alive, but in critical condition. The grisly, brutal nature of the crime, as well as Josie's incredible survival, became a round-the-clock news topic in the United Kingdom. Every news outlet, from the BBC to the Daily Tabloids, was obsessed with the crime. And since the killer was still at large, the story never really died down. The crime was still in the public consciousness a full year later, in the summer of 1997, when the BBC show Crime Watch aired an episode about the murders and presented a dramatized recreation of the crime. After watching the episode, an unnamed informant who knew Michael Stone called the police. Stone was arrested in July of 1997. Stone, it seemed, fit the profile of the suspected killer all too easily. Born into a broken household, Stone had spent much of his adolescence in the foster system, where he was routinely abused. 
As an adult, he'd been a heroin addict who robbed people and burgled houses to fund his drug habit. He'd assaulted people so ferociously that he'd been charged with grievous bodily injury. By the time he was arrested for the murders, he'd already been in jail three times for violent offenses. But despite the fact that he seemed to fit the physical and psychological profile of the attacker, Stone was never linked to the crime with forensic evidence. His DNA was not found at the scene or on the victims. Likewise, none of the victims' blood, of which there had been a shocking amount, was found on any of Stone's belongings when he was arrested. Stone's ultimate conviction relied heavily on the testimonies of Daly, Jennings, and Thompson. All of these men corroborated the story that Stone had discussed committing the murder, but these men were all put in proximity to Stone after his initial arrest. In fact, Stone even requested that he be placed in solitary confinement during his wait for trial. He was actually concerned that another prisoner would come forward and claim that he had confessed the crime to them. By 2001, another source of doubt about the reliability of the witnesses in Stone's initial trial came to light. Both Thompson and Jennings eventually confessed that they had been paid thousands of British pounds by the tabloid newspaper The Sun in exchange for their testimony. With the witnesses' credibility called into doubt, Stone successfully won his appeal in 2001 and was granted a second trial in September of that year. This time, the prosecution called forward Sherry Batt, a friend of Stone's, Bat claimed to have seen Stone covered in blood on the day of the murder. Bat's statement was enough for the jury to uphold Stone's original conviction. He remains in prison to this day and will not be up for parole until at least 2023. Josie Russell and her father, Sean, are both alive and well today. Due to the fact that Stone maintains his innocence, we still don't know the exact motive behind the attack. He didn't know the Russells, as far as anyone knows, so it was not a crime of passion. Nor, it would seem, was the murder an apparent robbery gone wrong. The murders happened on a country trail rather than in a home, which would have been the likely setting for a burglary gone wrong. Tragically, despite Stone's own sordid background, it seems unlikely that we'll ever know the motive behind the crime. The act of senseless violence was a major story in the British tabloids for over a year. And yet, despite all we do know, there is so much more that we can only guess at. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. For more complex criminal cases where the criminal's guilt is put under doubt, check out my other podcast, Not Guilty, where I cover controversial trials and arrests. Today in True Crime is a ParCast original. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Today in True Crime, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. 
To stream Today in True Crime on Spotify, just open the app and type Today in True Crime in the search bar. At Parcast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at Parcast and Twitter at Parcast Network. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler, is a production of Cutler Media, and is part of the Parcast Network. It is produced by Max and Ron Cutler, sound designed by Carrie Murphy, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Paul Liebeskin, Maggie Admire, and Travis Clark. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Colin McLaughlin. I'm Vanessa Richardson.